Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. We'll be right back to today's show. But before we do, I want to let you know that you can get a free copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma, when you leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, either on desktop or on your phone. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, look up Think Unbroken, click follow in the top right, and then go and leave a review at the bottom. And when you leave that review, screenshot it and send it over to book.thinkunbroken.com where you can upload your contact and mailing information, and we will send you a free copy of this award-winning, best-selling book, absolutely free, including shipping. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to upload your screenshot review from Apple Podcasts for the Think Unbroken podcast. And until next time, my friend, be unbroken. I'll see you. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the Think Unbroken podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Unbroken. I'm an author, speaker, coach, and advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma and abuse. In this podcast, you will learn how to transform your trauma into triumph, turn breakdowns 
into breakthroughs and go from victim to being the hero of your own story. You can learn more at thinkunbrokenpodcast.com. And of course, check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Think Unbroken Podcast. And so I'm, I'm curious, for people who are hearing this, and they're like, yeah, I would love that. I would love to, this idea, Blaze, to like be honest and have consciousness and to do all these things that you're talking about that seem so magical, but yet so far removed from me. Like, where do they start? Like, what is, I think every step that you take is an important step. I do not like creating hierarchies and steps because it seems chaotic. I think every step matters. Yeah. But, but where do you start? to get into honesty. Well, yeah, the first, the first, the first part is pretty important. It's pretty essential. Um, I want to just go back to something you said, I'll get to your question in a roundabout way. You said we are both the cause and the solution to all of our problems. And, you know, as I began treatment, I didn't, I still didn't understand trauma very well. It was a word that wasn't used in treatment a lot. Uh, they, they were asking similar questions, but I didn't understand it very well. I've, I've gone on to, you know, take a very personal deep dive and, and studied it in, in as many ways as I possibly could. And what I would say now about trauma is being dishonest with ourselves, or leaving our bodies or moving away from our feelings or avoiding the truth is a life-saving measure that we do because the reality we are experiencing is overwhelming. So as much as lying is a problem or being dishonest is a problem, it's also the solution. So when you look around, when I look at the, around at the world now, it, just like it was for me, I don't see a bunch of people who aren't working very hard. Almost the opposite. I see a bunch of people who are working very hard, but because of the nature of trauma, they can't feel the energy that they're expending to avoid themselves. Mm. They, can't, they can't experience that because that's the nature of trauma is we expend energy to ex suppress what's happening in our nervous system and then we separate from it. So when people don't know how they feel or they're not able to ha have healthy relationships or they're not able to do what's in their best interest, for me, this is not because they just don't have enough motivation or because they're not good people or, you know, they, it's because they've experienced trauma in their life and they are really stuck in the symptoms of trauma. And so my, for me, how I got out of that was with some desire, I had some amount of desire, some amount of willingness and a lot of support. I had a lot of support. I had a lot of people either holding my feet to the fire or showing me the way or holding me when I and affirming me when I did the right thing. I had a lot of support and I didn't know, I didn't know it was going to work. I basically had mentors that said, Hey, look, this works. Try it, try it and see for yourself if it works. And they would hold my hand through the process. They would say, no, that doesn't feel, that's not it. Try again. And then I would do it. They see. Yes. See, see how good that feels when you don't have to carry that burden anymore. And I learn by being around people who are further than me. So if somebody, if I was talking to the, the you from 13 years ago, 
or the me from 13 years ago, my advice would not be just try harder to be honest and do something radically different from what you've known your whole life. Figure it out yourself. I would say go be around the people who understand the problem as deeply as possible and who have experienced the most amount of personal transformation. Get as close to those people as you possibly can. And recovery is a great start. It was a great start for me because there are people in recovery rooms who know a lot about the problem. And they, uh, I, I used to go to AA meetings and the things people would say that, that in meetings, people don't even bat an eyelash at. You know, like people tell the worst mm -hmm. stories about what they've done. Um, the room just says, it's okay, right? It became in, in those rooms, I started to witness there is a currency to being honest. And this culture of people recognizes that and they will affirm you. Even if you don't know if it's going to work yourself, you, you need to be around people who are going to affirm when you're doing things that work and who are going to help you see when you're not and are going to support you through those early years where you don't know if this is actually going to be transformative. And what happens over time is as you start to see this work, you can put your foot on the gas. You can start to drive your experience a little more consciously. You can start to consider your life strategies and you have a memory or a felt sense of what works and what your body wants. This distortion between what you think and what you feel starts to resolve itself more and more. And you can start to trust yourself that there is a direction you can feel it and you can navigate that. But the early stage, you know, in treatment, they would basically say, you have to hand your life over to people. They're saying, you have no experience of success in this. You, are, you, you cannot be the judge of where you should be going. You need to sort of turn your life over to a higher power and a community. That's a very hard thing to hear, but they make a good case for it, right? They say, like, look, at, look at the state of your life. And eventually, you know, addicts go, yeah, you know, I, I can see that. But many people who have trauma aren't addicts who are going to go to treatment. What do, what do these people do? How do they find something, to, uh, sort of a larger intelligence that they can scaffold their life with or a mentorship program that can support them to make these changes? Or who can they watch that really knows how to do something different? And... um you know, when I think about what I want to do in the world, I've, I've helped individuals at many different levels, very different ambitions, whether they want to be, you know, on their deep and spiritual path or whether they suffer just specifically from the effects of trauma. And, you know, I, I work with groups of people who are therapists or spiritual seekers who want to take this really far. And what I've recognized is the most useful thing that I could do in this world is create culture. And that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. This is a cultural change that needs to occur. It's not up to the individual to change the reality that they live in. That they, If they could do that, they would. What's really yeah. needed is for our world to stop producing people who are so disconnected from themselves. Right? Yeah. Generation after generation of people who are born into trauma and get lost and sucked into it and have children from that state, that needs to change. And that's not an individual problem. That's a collective problem. So it is you, entirely. And so if you are someone who's trying to make a change in your life, my recommendation would be 
get as close to the people who recognize that and are trying to make this collective change as possible. Stay close to them and figure out what they did and get them to listen to you. Share your troubles with them. Make as many mistakes along the path of healing as you can. Look at what works. Be around people who can really help you figure out what works and what doesn't. Just get involved with people who can, who can help you figure it out. Don't do it privately. That's the, that's the number one thing, piece of advice I would give you. Don't make your healing process a private journey. It, it, when you express things and look at them, when they're outside of you, when you share them with a therapist or a friend who is knowledgeable, or you, or you work through it, in, once it's outside of you, you will be able to see it much more clearly. When we try to figure it out from just looking internally at ourselves alone, um, we don't get the same perspective on it, the perspective that we really need. So make a mess. Go find people who will take that on with you. But I started to understand forgiveness, and I understand more so and more deeply how it was really a necessity for this journey. And I was able to forgive people like my grandmother, forgive people like in my life who even to this day, I don't really want a name, but I was able to add forgiveness for them. And then for myself, when I did that, that led down the path of compassion, self-love. And actually the, the thing you mentioned, which is something I did not understand at all, was showing up even on the hard days. And so I'm wondering what, what was something that you had to forgive? What was an experience for you where you're like, I have to do this so I can break free? So uh, uh, the way you just put it, um, hit the nail right on the head. For, for me, forgiveness in my context was always for myself uh, because I don't know that I can ever get to the place of accepting and being, being willing to fully acknowledge some of the intentional hurts and traumas that the adults in my life inflicted and did not consciously um, work to alleviate. Mm. But forgiveness unlocks the power that that trauma and those circumstances had on me and prevented me from moving forward uh, to be able to live a more healthy, productive life and not trapped and beholden to those certain things. Uh, so for me, uh, forgiveness allows me to not necessarily forget or to ever get to a place where it doesn't inform how I interact with uh, some of my family or other people in my life, especially during those periods. Um, but it really allowed me to be on a path of healing um, that put me on a platform of empowerment um, because I'm at a place now where I can freely tell my story um, because it is transformed uh, for me to something that I utilize as uh, a, a balm almost uh, for the advocacy work that I do to say, here is my story and here is why I'm involved in the work that I do. Uh, and it gives me access uh, to be able to let people know that they're not alone, that they're not unique, 
their circumstances may feel unique and it may feel personal. And in a lot of ways it is, um, but that there are those out there uh, who are able to share their story so people feel that there is a safe space to not only access some of their internal power or healing process, but if you feel led to actually do something to help others potentially avoid the same circumstances, uh, then there's a path to that as well. I think the path to that only exists in reconciliation and forgiveness. You know, what the, the crux of this show of Think Unbroken of everything that I've been working on is, is like transform trauma into triumph, right? We, I think we have a moral obligation. I really do. Like, I don't necessarily mean at this scale and certainly not for everyone. This is a path that I kind of was like walking down the forest path and I just fell into a rabbit hole. Like I never saw this coming, but it just made sense to me. I was like, here we are. How do we use the voices of, of those who have been through incredibly painful events and allow them to share their story and their journey, right? And that platform, it doesn't have to be this. It's, it's in your own home, first and foremost, with your friends, with your neighbors, your peers, your church, your community. And, and I think that you have to get there by first forgiving yourself, right? I, I mean, dude, I've done some... Like, I don't even know that I want to even say publicly, I'm like, I will go to prison <laughs> still, but I don't know where statues of limitations are on some things. And I'm just, and I'm just like, I, I had to sit and do the work. Yeah. You know, I had to show up for my, I had to forgive myself. And, and that is one of those things that is so incredibly difficult because often we destroy ourselves independently and individually far more dangerously than anyone else who hurts us. What was forgiving yourself in this journey like? Well, for, for me, right? So there were so many people, my, my stepmother, my aunts, my uncles, anyone who, who had a cursory understanding of what was going on, but did nothing. Yeah. Uh, well, I had to tap into some forgiveness uh, of, of them in order to get to a place to forgive myself, right? For me, that anger and everything that was built up, it became a wall um, that until I was able to uh, forgive people, I couldn't access forgiveness for myself, right? Forgiving myself for not grieving, forgiving myself for being afraid to cry, like this false mm. sense of masculinity that, that I, I should not cry, that I have to suck it up and tough it out. Um, uh, forgiving myself for not having enough curiosity. And what I mean by curiosity uh, is being curious about who am I? Who am I trying to become? Like, why am I here? What is the purpose of all of this if I can't find my identity as I progress out of this. Uh, so forgiveness uh, for me was multifaceted, but um, I had to get to the place where I allowed myself to, you know what? It's okay for me not to be okay. It's okay for me not to be okay. It's okay for me to be angry. It's okay for, for me to go through different levels of emotion from anger to sadness to frustration um 
because that's all a part of, of, of being human and forgetting myself for not allowing the wholeness of who I am to feel those emotions in a deep way and then being able to wrestle with them, right? Because if you don't feel your emotions and allow your body to relieve anxiety through crying and through some of the natural processes, you can't fully wrestle with, well, why am I feeling this way? Why am I crying right now? What is it that, that's within me that is being released? And how do I manifest this in a way that gets me to a better place of forgiveness, but also a better place of healing? Right. So the first part is, can you break down those systems for us a little bit more in depth? Sure. And the other part of it is, if you are a person who is listening and disassociated, not sure where to begin, to step into who you are and your systems and your body and recognizing and all of these things, where do you start there? Um, so let's do like, I'll do a tiered science lesson of the nervous systems because that will explain parasympathetic because parasympathetic often gets thought of as just rest, digest. So our autonomic nervous system is basically um, the governor, the governing of the fight, flight and freeze. So Fight, flight is that sympathetic, that like, I want to fight you or I want to flee because this isn't safe. And then the freeze is a portion of the parasympathetic, a portion of the autonomic that numbs us out. When we, we sense we can't fight and we can't flee, we will go into a freeze state. Kiddos, infants, children, people in abusive relationship situations, even if it's like a surgical trauma or we're trying to fight but we're being held down our system will go into this freeze response. Now, if we go back up to the whole autonomic nervous system, we've got the sympathetic fight, flight, parasympathetic. I like to call the parasympathetic and how I've been taught the slowing down nervous system. And there's two types of slowing down. One is that shock, freeze, numb out, disconnect, go into kind of death prep mode. It's like the blood pressure is going down. The heart rate goes down, the oxygen exchange goes down. I'm getting ready to die, basically, is what that is. That's what we would go into if we were to say shock. Like I often use the example if I was to um, break my leg and my big artery in my leg is spurting out blood, I want my system to go into that freeze, shock to preserve blood, lower blood pressure. So that's one part of the parasympathetic. The other part of the parasympathetic is what's called the um, the ventral vagal. Ventral vagal. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And the ventral, it just basically means front of the vagus nerve. I'm being very kind of basic here. But the vagus nerve is also the shutdown. But another portion of the vagus nerve is the social engagement. So remember when we got on the talk a little while ago, I said, oh, having a bit of a conversation that cuts me up a little bit. I'm a little tired. I'm way more awake now because we're engaging. I'm using my higher brain. There's a little bit of sympathetic going on. So I'm having to 
use my hands and all that. But the ventral vagal aspect of the parasympathetic, that is something that when we are born, it isn't fully working, right? It's why an infant can't talk yet. It can't, it can't communicate with us. Um, so that I'm going to park that for a second. And then we have something called the dorsal vagal branch. And that is part of the, the freeze, but there's one part of the dorsal vagus nerve, which comes out of our brain, part of our process is all parasympathetic. It slows us down in two fashions. So I've kind of jumped a bit. One part of the dorsal is that shutdown freeze. We call it high tone dorsal. It's very quick. It puts us into shock. Danger, danger, danger. The other part of the dorsal is called low tone dorsal. Low tone dorsal, that's the rest digest. Often when you hear people talk about the parasympathetic, they say that's the rest digest. It's actually accurately the low tone dorsal of that do- low tone dorsal of that vagus. Does that, are you following me there? Not these branches. So when we have had a lot of stress, chronic stress, trauma, injuries, we've been shut down, we haven't been able to express, typically the human system is living in a mix of high-tone dorsal shutdown-y energy, that, that nummy, freeze-dissociated, along with the sympathetic fight-flight. But the interesting thing with that is you can have them both on at the same time. So what'll happen, and this is what often gets missed, is someone will be living numbed out and not feeling very much. And under that is a whole bunch of sympathetic, adrenalized fight-flight energy that is being trapped. It's literally being depressed. This is what we know of as depression, chronic illness. This is where the ACE study comes in that you mentioned at the beginning, right? The ACE study and its findings, that is it. Like those kids that are grown up in adversity, there is this sympathetic um, gas on with this high dorsal tone break on. So paint that picture. Go back to the other one. Ventral vagal is social engagement. So a common thing that people will say when they have had lots of trauma and adversity, they are terrified with connecting with people. It's social anxiety. I don't want to go out. Um, I blot, the person will blush. You know, they might even faint if they feel too intense uh, interacting with someone. So if we have been brought up in a lot of that high tone dorsal and sympathetic, our ventral ability to engage and be empathetic and calm down is going to be less on. Our wires aren't going to be strong in that domain yet. The good thing is with neuroplasticity, we can build that back up, as you know. And so the ventral is a very important part to bring into play when we start to heal this. The other part is that low tone dorsal, the rest digest. This is why we know when someone is recovering from trauma, we need to, we need to eat well. We need to rest. We need to slow things down. We need lots of time for self-care and nurture because we have been trapped in that high tone dorsal sympathetic for so long. And so what often happens, Michael, is especially people who are overachievers and are just going like they know they have a trauma history and, oh, I've kicked that. I'm fine. I'm fine. I can do locks like high achievers will see this. 
if you ask them to slow down and like take a bath or read a book or go on a vacation, they'll go stir crazy because their system is wired to be a fight flight, which can be seen as workaholism, extra, like excessive exercise, shopping, sex, whatever it is. But then they have a, a shutdown um, situation where their system also knows how to totally dissociate, disconnect, and numb out, that kind of thing. So when we start to heal this, this system that has been in that situation of, of high stress, we need to start bringing back the ventral, that social engagement portion, along with the low tone rest digest, but in a way that is, um, do you know the word titrated? Have you come across that word? Right. And we all find our ways to kind of push that through. And it took me really until I was probably like 27 to recognize the impact of that, to create the framework, to have the shift, to be able to move forward into life. As you're navigating this in a, as a kid, I think for most of us, it's just kind of at face value. We say, oh, this is our reality, not knowing that there's something different. When you were going through adolescence, teens, and your 20s, so on, how did you start to navigate that shame and that guilt? Because so many people carry it when it's not even ours to be carried to begin with. So for me, um, I started working really early um, at a young, young age. As soon as I was able to legally work, I started working and I thrived in that environment. So for me, I and this was not right, but I'll, I'll share with you later why. But I felt that I got my value from my work for my work ethic. And so as I rose up the ranks, you know, by the time I'm 21, I'm a VP of marketing for a bank, for a financial institution. And so I was doing very, very well in the work environment because I thrived. I didn't want anybody to know about my, it was a place where I could hide my past and no one would know. And I would take it to my grave. But it was after um, many failed relationships. I went through a uh, domestic violence. And that was something that followed me in my, in my personal life. And I, I did not understand at that time that it was my value. I would value myself, my self-worth based on my past. So I attracted someone like that because I had no self-confidence. My first husband had no confidence in me and would beat me and tell me, Nobody, you're lucky I married you. Nobody would want you. You're a product of rape. You had no dad. And I believed these lies. And I somehow put my value or my worth based on my success in business. So I had it all backwards. And it took my second marriage when I got home and I had my kids Kneeling on the ground, I came home early from a business trip. They did not expect me there. And second husband, stepdad, is on the couch with a belt buckle. And the kids are crying. And I said, what happened? And he said, the kids said, he hit me. He hit us. And he said, no, I didn't hit them. I would never hit them. And I turned and I looked and I saw blood coming down the shorts of my little one. I just grabbed those kids and I ran. I never looked back and I said, no one will ever touch my kids again. No one will ever abuse them or lay a hand on them. And that moment I decided I'm going to find out what is wrong with me. Why am I doing this? And I just delved into 
personal development at that time. I was very involved in the church. The church was not supportive, which is not biblical at all. But they kept telling me I need to go back because he's the head of the house. So I drove into my scriptures and I remember reading scripture, which says, it's better that a man hang himself with a millstone than hurt any of these little ones. And I said, why, you know, you're telling me that I need to obey this man that beats my kids. But it also says that a man is supposed to love his wife as God loves the church. And he is, that's not a loving act. And if he's not obeying God, I cannot obey him. And I basically told that to the church and I left that church and I left church altogether. And then I came back to God, but not to that church. And I came to the realization that I had it, you know, all backwards, that my value and my worth didn't come from money. It didn't come from how successful I was in business. It didn't come from my background. Um, it didn't come from being a product of rape. It didn't come from what happened to me. My value was given to me by God and only God. And that's who I know I belong to and nothing else matters. And because I know that now, of course, every, I see that every single person is a valuable person. Every single person on this earth has a purpose. Now, that doesn't mean everybody will recognize that purpose. That doesn't mean everybody will recognize their value. But it is my goal and my desire to share that with the world that you do have a purpose and to help you find that purpose for you. And I strongly believe that. And, and I believe it's through this resiliency that helps us to overcome. Because once you recognize that, we have, all of us have challenges in life. And even when you come to recognize these truths, you will still have challenges. You will still have crazy people that try to come into your life and try to destroy you because we have free will. And so not everybody knows their value. Not everybody knows their purpose. And so their purpose is to, de to destroy because they don't know anything better. That's where I used to be. And when you have the keys to be able to unlock like resiliency, such as being adaptable, being able to move out of your comfort zone, being able to be empathetic, then you're able to just pass right through that. So it doesn't phase you anymore. You're like, okay, it's no big deal that, you know, whoever's trying to hurt me, you know, I will just get them out of my life. And you learn to walk away from those situations. You learn to allow those people their space and get out of their space and get into back into your space. And you're able to push things through things much quicker, much faster. And, you know, adversity just doesn't phase you anymore because you're on to bigger, better things. Yeah. And I think one of the one of the things we have to recognize as individuals is like religion does not always serve the betterment of self. Right. Not I, i.e. like relationship with God, spirit, universe, but like this organized religion structure, because to me, it, I listen to what you said initially. I go, that's nonsensical. How would you ever want to push a person to be in a place of danger? Because that's what we do. Right. The ultimate like, honestly, I think about church a lot because I grew up Mormon. I spent a lot of time in church and I, I always thought myself like church is really a very fixed mindset, right? It's so by the book. And you're like, wait a second, guys, you can't see the forest for the trees here. Why don't you take a step back and evaluate 
the fact that maybe how we've always done it isn't the way that we should do it. And I, I love that you took it upon yourself to make an incredibly difficult decision, the right decision, I dare say, to go and change your life, change your family's life, ultimately probably step into ending a cycle before it even begins or goes further. And I, I think that's really beautiful and powerful. And, and as you were speaking, I just couldn't help but think, you know, there's so many people who they haven't been able to do that. They're stuck in those circles. They're stuck in those relationships and that religious trauma and abuse. And you, I wrote something down here and, and I'm curious, how do you recognize purpose? Because I do think if you can recognize purpose, if you can understand values, it does give you the fuel to create change. And so I'm wondering, like, what does that look like for you? And as you stepped into that personal development journey for yourself, creating this shift in your life, how did you leverage that purpose? So for me, I, how I recognize purpose is each and every one of us are individuals um, unique. Now, I mean, we're all the same in the sense that we, we all have two arms, two legs. We all have a heartbeat. That's the one thing. I mean, because some of us, you know, have lost our limbs through accidents or born that way through, you know, whatever reasons. But every single person has a heartbeat. One of the things I recognized when I got FDA clearance for a device, um, I had been fired from a company and then I started another company and I got FDA clearance on a device that had a bunch of different biomarkers from, you know, being able to identify risks of stroke, diabetes, things of that nature. And one of the things that it tested was your heart rate and your heartbeat has a unique signature, which is really interesting because nobody has the exact same heartbeat. I mean, we all have a heartbeat, but every single person on this earth, their heartbeat is unique. It's you have your own electrical signature. I mean, we have electricity running through our bodies. And doctors can identify if you've had a history of a stroke, if you've had, you know, certain things, you know, tachycardia or certain things going on with your heart. So it, I found it very interesting that we all have a heart, but our heartbeats are completely unique. And we all know that, you know, our fingerprint is unique. Our, you know, our irises are unique. Even our voice box, nobody has the exact same one. And we use it in technology. So even if you don't believe in a creator or that someone created you, even science has proven that there is no one like you. Now, growing up, growing up working for big financial institutions, I remember being told by management that you're replaceable. I'm like, no, that's not true. You are not replaceable. So for me, is recognizing number one is you're unique. That means something. If you are gone today, no one will ever replace you. Number two is we tend to live in a society and a culture where we're copycats. You know, someone has a very successful podcast. Everybody tries to copy that method. Someone ha did, you know, some, you know, whatever it is, we're copycats. The most successful people are not copycats. If you look at the top, so I, I do a lot of speaking internationally and I share stages with people like John Maxwell, Brian Tracy, Les Brown, Nick Vujicic. I just did an event with him last weekend, Dr. Rome. And one of the things that I learned is all of these guys are hugely and wildly successful. They're world-renowned speakers. They're all completely different. And yet, if you take one a speaker course, they teach you the exact same thing. It's like, no, you are not a copycat. You are unique. And once you embrace your uniqueness and you embrace your skill sets, instead of trying to copy 
you know, somebody else's skill set. So I want to be like this person because this person is so amazing. It's great to admire someone and admire their skill sets. We should, we should elevate each other. That is wonderful. But don't forget about your own skill sets. And I share this in my book, how important that is to identify what are you good at? And just because in somebody else's eye, it it's not a like, wow, that's amazing. It doesn't matter. You can take your skill set and if you can use that to change the world, to help somebody else, how is this going to benefit the next person? You can change the world. And it may be different for you than it is for somebody else. My daughter, for example, she has a degree in nursing and she has a beauty spa. A lot of people in the family or a lot of family members they look down upon that, like, whoa, why did you let her do that? Like, nursing is so much better. And now she has a beauty spa. They look down on that. They don't realize she makes five times more through her business as, as a business owner than she would working as a nurse. And she enjoys it. That's her passion. Her passion is she loves beauty. She loves making women feel beautiful. So I told her, you follow your passion. Where is your gifting? Where are your gift sets? And you use those. She's also an artist, so she sells her artwork and things like that. Um, Cheesecake Factory, for example, that started with a woman who loved cheesecakes baking in her in her basement, and now it's a huge, you know, organized, you know, a huge. Um, I, I think it's a corporation, um, but there's cheesecake factories everywhere, and that's my favorite place to go. So it it can be something as simple as making a great pecan pie. It can be something. You know, you're, you're an inventor, but you're afraid of launching your product because it's never been done before. And we tend to follow patterns. Oh, this has been done before. It's going to be successful. No, it's not. That's why there's inventions. And it's those people that recognize their skill sets, that recognize their value, that are, that have the, um, I guess they have the courage to go out and take that risk and do that invention and patent it and then launch that product. Thank you so much for listening to Think Unbroken. Please share this episode with someone who could use it and help us move forward in our mission of ending generational trauma in our lifetime. And if you would, please take five seconds to pop on iTunes or Spotify, hit that five star, leave a review. And you can also reach out to us on social at Michael Unbroken or at Think Unbroken. And of course, you can check out our YouTube channel at think unbroken. Thank you for being a part of Unbroken Nation, my friends. And until next time, be unbroken. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. 
And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program.